irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Tahir, your host. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I practice as an intuitive psychotherapist. I am EMDR certified and a Reiki Level 2 practitioner. I have physical offices in both New Orleans and Los Angeles, and I work with clients worldwide via Skype, uh, phone, and FaceTime. You can find me online at nolatherapy.com. That's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. And as of today, this show, All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, is available on iTunes and Google Play. You just go to those sites under podcasts and search by name, and you can subscribe to Listen In Weekly. Please contact me if you're interested in being a guest on this show or to advertise. And my intention for starting this show is to bring you interviews with practitioners of various disciplines because to me, therapy is not just sitting on my couch or another practitioner's couch talking about your problems. It's about addressing you as a whole person in all of your entirety. And that encompasses our spiritual health our physical health, our financial health. And my guest today, he does so many things that relate to healing and well-being. So I am really happy to have on today Dr. Craig Martin. He is a homeopathic doctor. He's also a spiritual counselor. He is author of the book, Elemental Love Styles, Find Compatibility and Create a Lasting Relationship. He's an astrologer and founded the Los Angeles Astrology School, where I have been a student this summer, taking weekly classes, and you can find him online. He has been on KTLA News. He's been on The Millionaire Matchmaker, The Daily Buzz, numerous other radio shows, and I just want to bring you on, Dr. Craig, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much, Lisa. It's great to be here. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk to you about astrology and spiritual well-being and counseling. So I'm wondering, I'm curious how you got your start in in all of this. How I got my start in in counseling. Counseling, spirituality, astrology. Yeah, It's, it's, it's actually from a long time ago, I would say almost 30 years now when I was just a kid. And um, I was outside looking up at the stars, and a friend of mine at that time told me, like, oh, yeah, that's uh, Mars. You can see Mars, you know. And I thought, no way. Like, you can't really see the planets. And we can. We can see the inner planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, all of those just with our naked eye. They look like planets, but they look like stars, really. They're, you know, they're not bigger. They're not the, the size of the moon. They look like just little twinkles, but they're really not the stars. They're actually the planets. And from there, I had, um, you know, a, a curiosity about astrology as a method for self-discovery, like I knew a little bit about charts, once the planets actually became very real to me, once they became tangible, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is something that's actually based in something real. Yeah. Um, the interpretation, of course, is an interpretation. That's fine. That's the art of it. But astrology itself is still based on the chart, which is a literal snapshot of where the planets are when you're born. So I think my my holistic background, I, I went to chiropractic college. I then took a postgraduate doctorate in homeopathy. Uh, then I went and got another doctorate degree in theology so that I could do counseling uh, through ministering. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, so my practice really is, uh, 
you know, and my doctorate, the Dr. Craig Martin point at this point in my life is a is a theological doctorate, so it's okay. a spiritual counseling practice. It starts off really by that night out on Long Island, I think I was, some crazy place, and I was just looking up, and it, it all of a sudden became real. Now, to this day, I love being a star and planet watcher. I yeah. love to see how the planets move through the stars, because they do. You know, the stars stay fixed. They don't move, but the planets move through the stars, and it's something you can actually witness yourself without a, without a telescope. Yeah, we've been looking at that each week in class, going outside and you showing us where the planets are, which has been so cool, because I think I thought they're all just stars. Yeah, you know, thank they're not. you. I mean, yeah. I'm glad that you like that, because to me, that was actually one of the big inspiration moments for me, and I think sharing that with the students in class is uh, is something that I'm hoping that they'll also they'll also look up at the stars and be able to say, oh, I see. This art of astrology is grounded in something that actually exists. We're really just interpreting information from something that that is physically real in the world, which is the way in which the solar system is aligning itself at any given moment. Yes. So can you tell our listeners what what basically is astrology and how might it be a tool for them to better know themselves and make decisions in their lives? Sure. Well, first of all, it's not horoscopes. Uh, the horoscopes that you read in the newspaper are really just an entertainment um, uh, shorthand, kind of condensed version of something that's uh, much more um, complete than just a simple horoscope. And there's nothing wrong with horoscopes, but horoscopes in the newspaper are not astrology. So um, the, the short answer then to what is it then would be that it's a system of identifying and evaluating first your personality and its strengths and challenges based on that alignment that I was just speaking about, that alignment of the planets as they are at the given moment when you're born. So we, there, since there's the sun, the moon, and eight, you know, eight planets, mm-hmm. we, th- those planets going around the sun, if we have a birth moment and we take a snapshot of where those planets are, they make a specific alignment with each other around the sun, you know, and from the Earth's point of view, around the Earth. So that, that alignment creates, like, what I like to think of as almost like a sacred geometry. Uh-huh. And the, 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 the geometry of the alignment of the planets, um, to me, they, yeah. they, they cast a certain amount of information, quite a lot of information, about our personality. The astrological chart, though, that alignment is almost like the front of, the, of a package of seeds. You know, when you go to uh, the... the, the, the um, the agricultural store or the grocery store or whatever, and you buy some tomato seeds, and on the front there's a beautiful picture of that tomato, right? It's yeah. actually really not easy to get that tomato to grow. Like when you, when you take those seeds home, you don't always get the tomato that's pictured on the front of the pack. <laughs> right, it take, right. It, it, take, it takes a lot of work and effort. To me, someone's chart actually is a picture of that potential, and it talks about what it is that they would need to do to bring that potential forth. What are the challenges that stand in the way of them being able to live out a specific lifetime to their fullest potential? What I like that you've said in class is that we have our chart um, based on when we were born and where the planets were. However, that... It's not fixed as far as we can transcend, we can learn the lessons, you know, presented in our chart and and change, like have free will, basically, is kind of my paraphrase. Can you speak to that? Right, because it's not static. It's not static. You know, it, 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 it is more like the chart is saying these are the classes that you're enrolled in. And... Um, just like as if you were going to any school, you would you would sign up for a certain number of classes. Well, how well or how not well you do in those classes is going to depend upon the effort you put into it. 
So the chart specifically talks about that. It talks about what you could gain by putting effort into those specific lessons. If you have, and it's divided up into, you know, if you want to jump in on a little detail, it's divided up into, yeah, it's divided up, as you know, into the 12 houses. Right. And each one of those houses represents specific life lessons that occur for all people. Mm Mm-hmm. That in general, those 12 lessons are our own personal identity, then the things that we value, including our own money. Everybody likes that house. House number two the is about house. our money. Yes. Right. Then, then communication, the way in which we communicate with each other. Then the fourth house is about home, family, family of origin, and where you live now. So it's your birth family, and then even you know your family moving forward, even if it's just you living alone in a house. That's still your family, you know. So your family and of then, choice that you right exactly, exactly. That's the fourth, and then we have what's called creativity and legacies, the things that you create that will hopefully outlive you. So it includes our children in the fifth house. Sixth house is routine maintenance and service, the way in which we take care of ourselves on a day-to-day basis and the way in which we take care of others. Mm-hmm. Then comes marriage and um, personal relationships that we have with people. Mm-hmm. Then, then emotionally intense experiences like dealing with other people about our money and their money or establishing sexual relationships with them, which is also an intense emotional experience, or right. being with someone in, in an intimate enough way so that, that if they were to die, it might affect you in sort of a profound way. So the eighth house is a complicated, very emotional place that we all go through dealing with emotionally intense experiences in life. Um, the ninth is about our spiritual beliefs and the higher truths that we seek. So something like your radio show is a ninth house vehicle for helping people educate themselves about um, higher philosophies and higher truths. The tenth is about our career and what it is that we do for the world. The eleventh is about our friends and friendships that we make. And then the twelfth house is about hidden unconscious things that we may not be entirely aware of that may come to the surface as we go through life, but that we have lessons to learn about, um, you know, selflessness, compassion, empathy, art, intuition, um, psychic phenomenon. Hmm? Which house is that, Dr. Craig? That's 12. 12, okay. That's 12. So those 12 facets, whether we're talking about all of us have an identity, money, a way of communicating, a home, things that we would like to create, ways in which we help others, relationships, the emotional aspect of relationships, our belief systems, the work we do in the world, the friends we keep, and the things that we may not be entirely clear of that we have to learn about through life lessons or through therapy. All of us are going through all 12 of those life lessons. Some of us more profoundly than others in certain ways. And the chart talks about in what way are we focused, okay. in, in depending upon which houses are, let's say, a little bit more lit up. Mm, with with uh, planets in them? With planets, exactly. With planets in them. Yep. So you've been teaching us how it, it's the planet that rules the sign, correct? Correct. And it's in an, in a house. A planet rules a sign in a house. Correct. And so when we put that together, we're able to determine what is the core of our personality, what, what personality are we actually functioning with in life. You know, if we're an Aries, maybe we're very bold and strong. If we're a Gemini, maybe we're very talkative and curious. So the, the, the chart talks about our basic personality and then what lessons do we have to learn through that personality? How is that personality then going to become the vehicle for going through those different life classes and the way in which we may experience learning those lessons. It provides actually like an infinite number of combinations, um, and that's why people end up 
really being so different because charts are incredibly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so yeah, each chart has a different sacred geometry, a different alignment of the planets, and then even that different alignment is in different houses because we're born in different locations at different times on different days, and so that 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 experience of the chart becomes very unique for each person. So this is where, to me, there's the intersection uh, in, in one of the ways of astrology and psychotherapy. Uh, this weekend I had some friends over, and one of them is an astrologer as well, and she was looking at my chart and, um, and just noting some comments um, and, and just a paraphrase that, wow, you, you seem to have this chart of someone who just kind of travels and, and keeps you know, doesn't really settle necessarily, just the true adventurer. And for me, you know, that's, that's not what I want. Like I love to nest and to settle. And so she just said in brief that, that that's your nurture, like that's your socialization, so to speak, because this chart to me speaks of somebody who wouldn't stay in a place very long that is meant to have shared emotional experiences with people briefly and then move on to someone else and someone else. And, and I'm a big committer, you know, and really like, like to attach and feel safe. And so can you talk about how, you know, why there going? might be that discrepancy too? Yes. And, okay. And well, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know who read your chart for you. I know I, I'm going to, I'm going to open up your chart right now. I did. Sure. I, and it's pretty quick. So, yeah. um, there it is. And um, I, it, what what happens when um, when we when we look at a chart, I think, and we take it apart, um, you know, sort of like say piecemeal. When we look at a chart and we say, like, oh, you've got the planet Uranus in your seventh house, so that creates changeability in relationships. That's really only one one way of looking at it, you know? You actually have the sign of cancer on the fourth house cusp. And so anybody that has that is going to feel nurturing because the moon then, without getting too astrologically complicated for you or your listeners, but the moon rules cancer. And you have your moon in Aries in the first house. So you're going to base your identity around being a nurturer. Because, again, we look at what house does the planet rule. So some of your identity is based around being home-oriented, family-oriented, domestic, and nurturing. And I think what happens, um, you know, for, you know, in the studies that I that I've done and in the work that I've done again, um, it, I like taking my readings to that level where I look at planetary rulerships. But okay. you also you, you do have Uranus in the seventh house, and one interpretation of that is changeability in in relationships, okay? That one interpretation is that, like many relationships that change over time. But I think that there's another interpretation of that, which is that you just really need to be with somebody that you find interesting, yeah. somebody that's very freedom-loving and very um, uh, fluid and flexible and independent. All of those things interest you a lot, and you're attracted to them a lot because you're a Gemini and you have Venus in Gemini. So, um, the discrepancy there is in, is in, I think, basically recognizing, as you said in the beginning, when you, when you were doing the introduction of the show, I, I, yeah. I keyed into you talking about the holistic person, that healing, whether it's, you know, financial, relationship, personal identity it really is all about those 12 facets it's really all about those 12 houses Mm -hmm. we can have healing in any level of those and when when we want to really do a complete look at someone's chart we want to be able to look at the whole individual as a story and not necessarily just key into one aspect of it and then look at the shadow side of that and and have that be sufficient to tell the story. I think, yeah, there's, no, there's nothing wrong, absolutely, with saying that, 
Geminis and Venus and Geminis can be kind of fickle, that they can be kind of like, you know, easily bored and moving, and moving around, moving from one relationship to another. But that isn't necessarily the only way of interpreting that. And when, when you have a chart that, that would like to have the identity built around having a solid home and a solid home foundation, you have to take that into consideration. Also, you have Saturn and Taurus. You know, it makes you fiercely loyal. So there, yeah. are, other, there are other aspects of your chart that ground the Gemini and also ground the, Ur- the Uranian energy in your seventh house. And I don't want to talk, you know, too, sure, too much, I guess, about your chart for the whole yes. time because you know, nobody's, got, nobody's got your chart in front of them. And, you know, right. but, but that's how I would approach discrepancy is by trying to find out what is the middle ground. Sometimes, honestly, you know, doing counseling with people, you can look at a chart and see a discrepancy like that, and they are leaning very heavily on one or the other. They are leaning heavily. What you need to surrender to more is that you need to be constantly intellectually challenged not that you need to surrender to that one person couldn't do that for you and that you're just going to bounce from relationship to relationship for your whole life. I don't, I don't know that that's the only solution, but the surrender has to do with needing to be stimulated intellectually and have a stimulating, intellectually stimulating partner, someone who's funny, someone who gets your sense of humor as well, someone who can connect with you on a, on, on a, on a cerebral level and someone who is capable of not not tying you down because, yeah, if you feel bound to someone, if someone is very possessive, then that's not going to work well for as much air, elemental air. Yeah. Yeah. So so what I hear you telling me, which I appreciate and is so helpful, uh, this is what you do with, with your clients and looking at their chart and then bringing your background of, of being a spiritual counselor and, and intuitive to, to tune in to their frequency and, and energy to bring them a bigger picture of them themselves. Correct. And we deal with blockages exactly like that. Someone could come into my office and say, you know, I bounce from relationship to relationship. That could be one of their patterns that they notice. And we can talk about how can that inherent personality issue, how can that personality issue be reframed so that they can see it in a more positive light? doesn't have to be that you bounce from one relationship to another. You need to choose a relationship ultimately that's entertaining enough, that's, that's eclectic enough, that's exciting, that's electric enough yeah. so that you feel... You know, and and of course, there are people that are like that, people who are spontaneous or people that you're going to be attracted to. People who like learning are people you're going to be attracted to. You know, people who people who read and people who have something to tell you and people who are always very excited and passionate about some new aspect of life, you know, and not everybody is like that, quite frankly. And some people are some people are attracted to that and some people have other assets, you know. So I'm hearing that you help people identify in a solid way kind of what makes them tick so then we can go and make better decisions in, as we go throughout our day. Correct. And it has to do with better decisions based on knowing ourselves. That, mm-hmm. that, that for me is, um, you know, the, the really the core of what I believe that I'm teaching is self-knowledge because if we don't know who we are, we can't know where we're going. <laughs> if, yeah. we, if, we don't, if we don't know who we are, then we can't know what it is that we need from other people. Yeah, I think there's nothing to anchor to. Yeah, well, we blame them then for not meeting our needs, but we don't even know what our needs are. Because if we yeah. knew what our needs were, we wouldn't have to blame someone for not meeting them. We would go where the needs were getting met. Yes, and yeah. What you're yeah. saying is making me think of your book, Elemental Love Styles. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And just um, what, what prompted you to write the book? Well, you know, it's, uh, I had a house in the mountains of New York mm-hmm. um, for a long time, 17 years, beautiful, old, old little farmhouse. 
Um, it was grandfathered into the Catskill Forest, and I used to go up there alone a lot. Um, and I would sit and meditate and fast and walk the dog in the woods and, you know, just really, like, live a very holistic uh, kind of weekend life away from New York City, which is where my practice was at the time Sounds and where beautiful. I lived during the week. Anyway, I was sitting one night, and I literally thought of the title almost like of some kind of flash of insight. I was just sitting at the dining room table, and I was writing, journal writing, and I got a, 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 a something came into my mind that I should write a book called Elemental Love Styles, meaning the way in which people loved elementally. I literally had no idea what the book was going to say yet. <laughs> I just knew that it was it was going to be about the way in which people could be categorized into elemental styles. like, And we're talking about natural elements, fire, air, water, and earth. Mm-hmm. Very simple, you know, like just very, like super simple, nothing really complicated, but that by being able to simplify ourselves in certain ways, we discover things about ourselves. This is the way that we learn. People learn about everything through those kinds of compartmentalizations. And, yeah, we want to have a broad picture of ourselves as a holistic being. I am not just a Scorpio. You are not just a Gemini. I get that. But what a great foundation to be able to start off with, to just be able to say, I'm a water sign. You're an air sign. That makes me very sensitive, very emotional. It, that's in that, and that makes you very intellectual, very communicative, very curious. If I'm not with somebody that can validate my emotions, that's not good for me. If, I, if I'm with somebody that thinks like, like, oh, my God, you're just crazy, that's not good for me. That's not validating my right. emotional self. If you're with somebody who thinks you're just scattered and, 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 and dismissive and, and not available and not deep enough, that's not good for you. It undermines the very core of basically like who you are. You want to be with within within relationships having relationships with people who do validate what it is that we represent from an energetic place who we are as you know fundamental beings with the personalities that we have that's how we get our needs met and that's the way in which we can actually bring forth the best part of our potential is by being in situations that foster and encourage us developing that and the elements relate to the elements in, in astrology associated with each sign. Correct. You know, in other words, like we're, there, there are 12 signs and there's four elements. So each element has three signs. And, um, yeah, we can talk about that if you like. That's, that's a, yeah. I, think a, I think, very interesting. The, I do, the, too. You know, okay, so the fire signs are um, Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. And fire signs are predominantly enthusiastic, motivated, and, like, charged up. They're like the charged up people, you know. They're the mm-hmm. ones that, yeah, they're cre- they're, they, they have a creative vision and they're kind of bossy. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, have, you do have Aries rising. So th- this is, yeah. again, about a chart and how you're not just a Gemini and how you have Aries rising and moon in Aries in the first house. So you are very fiery and you are very creative and you do have a creative vision. So that's just fire. And in the book, I felt like it, it, it simplified even astrology to be mm-hmm. able to see ourselves as fire and air, like that's sort of your combination, you know. Earth signs, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn are practical, tangible, you know, very bottom line people, but I'll tell you, they get results. When, when they're, they're it, the Earth, meaning Earth, physical plane, yeah. they're very grounded people. We need these people because they actually get the job done. If we don't have somebody, you know, running the back end of the radio show, there is no radio show, you know. We all have to have accountants and dentists and, and, and people who do grounded support. If, you know, I'll tell you how fast you want to have an earth person come into your house if you need a repair. You know, your handyman is an earth, an earth type, you know. They're there, so cool. and so they're, they're, they're essential. Um, air, air people are Gemini, Libra, and uh, Aquarius. 
and these are the uh, the communicators, the intellectuals, the thinkers, the socializers, right? Okay. So social media itself is ruled by Aquarius as an air sign because that rules groups and the collective and the co the collective experience of us wanting to share knowledge again. Like air is about knowledge and the mind, and those are the themes that run through air. And then water are the um, the sensitive emotional people who you really want to be there if you know you need a nurse at the side of your bed. You want a, a watery person. You want a watery person if you're going to go and um, need a shoulder to cry on. You know, you want a, a watery person if you 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 want somebody. You want to go over and say to somebody like, Yeah, I kind of like this girl, but what do you think? You know, I really you know you want to know from that friend. Do they get a good feeling? Do they get a good feeling about it? Do you think this person's good for me that, I, that I'm thinking of marrying? Or, you know, what do you think about, you know, and even the watery part of our own personality is that intuition that says, yeah, I like this person, or this is a good person for me, or this is the house I want to buy, or, you know, this is the car that I love, because it's an emotional reaction that we're having that's making us feel alive at that level. So all four levels are, are, in a, are a level of aliveness, you know, because all together they actually make life. Yeah. From from a from a natural perspective, we have the sun and the air and the water and the earth, right? That's fire, yeah. air, water, and earth, right? And um, the natural elements even apply to our health, Lisa. In what ways? And water water signs are Scorpio and Pisces. Oh, sorry, right. Um, Cancer, Scorpio, Cancer. and Pisces. Yeah, thanks for okay. reminding me of that. Yeah. No, you're welcome, since you mentioned the others. Right, right. Yeah. And but they're even... Go on, okay. and then I'll ask you. You first. Oh, blah. <laughs> um, they're even connected to our health. That's what I went to you ask know, you. Our vital, signs, our vital signs are, are, are like our temperature. That's fire. Our hydration. That's water. Our wow. breath in our lungs. That's air. And our physical body, the structure of it, that's earth. If, if you've got too much fire, you have a fever. If you have not enough fire, you have the chills. If you have too much water, you're like, like um, uh, edema, you're bloated. Yeah. If you've got not enough water, you're dehydrated. dehydrated. If you, you're either yeah. short of breath or you're hyperventilating, you know? So, so, so yeah, the natural elements are a very simple way, and, and some people might say oversimple, but, but, you know, I think we need a beginning, you know what I mean? Like, maybe the alphabet is oversimple, too, you know, but if we don't learn it, we never learn how to read. So, uh, for me, I think starting with the elements is an essential place for all of us to gain self-understanding. Yeah, and, and what I'm learning and is so exciting is that this is a language, this is you know, astrology has its own dictionary, so to speak, with, you know, the elements and the signs and the planets and then the wheel and then how where we're born shifts that wheel, but then you overlay kind of the main one and it's so complex and, you know, I get excited and then my brain just blows up in a way and shuts down. <laughs> Even though I'm an intellect, I'm like, okay, I have to take this in pieces because right. there's so much. Right, and that would be like learning any language. Like you would, yeah. you know, like if you thought that you could speak fluent Spanish, you know, um, in in a few weeks' time, you would blow out your brain. <laughs> you, know, you, right. wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to speak past, present, and future tense in Spanish all in the first lesson. So um, it builds on itself. And, yeah, just like anybody that's learning to learn a language, we learn the alphabet, we learn basically basic reading, basic sentences, and then it gets more and more complex and builds on itself until one day we realize we're speaking fluently. It just happens. It becomes something completely organic when we're learning a language that it's like learning an instrument, and the reason is because yeah. it's art. Language is art. Mm -hmm. Music is art. And, and if you wanted to learn how to play the piano, you'd have to start off with the scales and this very basic, basic, you know. And then one day you'd be playing, and you wouldn't even know how. You wouldn't right. even know how you had gotten from doing scales to being able to play the piano without actually having to think about what keys your fingers are on. Yes. That that's that's the miracle of art. That's the miracle of the feminine side of the force. 
It's not science. It's not. It's not supposed to be. Yeah. It's art. Yes. So when you're counseling people, because we both do do counseling, do you um, do you always utilize a person's chart or a couple? I know you do a lot of couples work. Do you always uh-huh. bring their their chart into your work? I do. Them. Okay. I do. It's a very rare occasion, I have to say, when someone is referred to me, let's say, and their initial email contact will say, so-and-so told me to get in touch with you. I'm going through something really heavy. How fast can I see you? And, and where I don't say back, well, you know, send me your birth information so we have that available, very rare, not even one time per year will I, like, you know, maybe take someone on without looking at their chart and then ask for it as an afterthought. You know, like, they'll come in and I'll be like, intuitively, I'll say, you know, I can counsel this person without their chart. You know, I, what, what they're going through, I can, I can feel what they're going through, and I don't know that we need that in the background. But fundamentally, my practice is built around um, helping people understand themselves through their charts so that they can help themselves in the situation that they're in. So I'm curious how in, in couples therapy, um, how do you work with a couple having their charts and seeing their struggles, you know, right. seeing what they have to challenge, to be challenged right. by. Can you talk right. to us about how, how I you... Can. I yeah. can. I can. I can. I can plug the school and also my Please. students by saying that. No, just saying that. Learning about couples and couples charts is the beginning of the second six weeks. That's where we start off. Is like, oh. how do we compare charts? What's the synastry? What's called a composite chart? Because couples work is you know different than individual work. Yeah. But there are there are charts that I just mentioned. They're called synastry, which is a comparison of the planets. And then there's something that's called a composite chart, which is um, being able to actually fuse two people's charts into a third chart, which Mm. would become like the chart of the relationship, and Mm -hmm. that's called a composite chart. Those charts um, answer the same questions that individual charts answer. What are the strengths and challenges of a couple? What is it that they're wanting to learn together? Um, In what way do they, you know, uh, benefit each other, and what way do they create tension for themselves? And so, um, couples get counseled, yeah, by me putting both charts up as individuals, both their individual astrology charts, the natal chart, which is the chart the one that you're born with, and then uh, the composite and the synastry, the, the the charts that speak about the relationship as a separate entity. Okay, very cool. So do you, go on, and then, then I'll no. ask, I have a few thoughts. No, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking, hearing about the composite chart and f- fusing two charts into the one for the relationship and what the couple wants to learn together, I imagine right. how they can help each other heal, um, how they might hurt each other, you know, by right. reenacting old wounds. and. Correct. And in my language as a psychotherapist, it's, it's the imago work. And when a couple comes in, even when an individual comes in, but certainly in a couple, you know, I can, I can tune into kind of the, the childhood wounds that might present the issues in their relationship, the same argument that may happen over and over, or the same core stumbling block. So sure. do you see that in the chart as Absolutely. I see it just by hearing the story of the individual Correct. And, it, and, and I would guarantee you that we're going to come up with a very similar answer. Because to me, we are all living out our charts. So, you know, you are just accessing it through like a verbal discussion of what someone may be going through. And for me, the individual is already an expression of what their chart says they are. Mm-hmm. So at any given moment, it's not static. You know, like we're we're con- we're in a constant state of evolution. But at any point when someone comes in to my practice, then um, I'm able to look and say, you know, oh, okay, I see where you are at this moment. Um, yeah, I read charts of newborn babies for for parents, you know, and we just talk about what in general are the lessons that this person is, this new person, um, what are they going to be learning? So what are you, what might you want to look out for? Or how could you even help them in childhood to master some of the lessons that it looks like they're going to need to learn? 
That's great that parents have that foresight to come in and work with you to, to help their child. That's amazing. Thank God for progressive parents, right? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So so when a couple comes in and, and you are talking to them about their charts and how uh, the lessons and the, you know, sometimes I think the wounds and how to overcome, you're able then to work with them in a, it sounds like proactive and kind of like real life way of maybe how to work with triggers, how yeah. to, that's cool. How do you find exactly. people? And, and it's being able to express personality differences. And again, especially with couples, letting each one know what the other one needs, which I, you know, is a very strong issue for me. I feel like we all have needs that need to be met. It's that, that, that seed pack, you know, that, that tomato that's on the front of that package, that picture of that tomato, it's going to have needs in order to get to be looking like that tomato. And if it doesn't get its needs met, it's going to fall far short of, of, of its potential. So I, I'm not talking about neediness not right. as like classical neediness. I'm talking about the essential needs that each human being has in order to be able to achieve their potential. And what are those needs? So in relationships, we often feel that we, we can just love someone the way we want to be loved. Mm. And that's not necessarily true. We right. might need to actually learn to love someone in the way in which they need to be loved and then also help to teach them how we also, you know, need to be loved and what we've discovered about ourselves. People who are in good relationships are, are capable of tremendous amount of compromise and um, compassion through love. If you're with yeah. somebody that you love and you have any capacity to set your ego aside, even for a fraction of a moment, <laughs> um, yeah. then you're going to want to experience compromise and the taming of your own ego so that you can meet their needs and they can meet yours. You know, all that, that, and, that, and in that common ground, we discover that we're part of a collective. We're not really standing here all alone as just some you know, ego-based individual who's, you know, like a three-year-old stomping our feet and needing to get our own way all the time. We realize that we're, we're part of a collective of souls and that yeah. we need to meet our needs when we can and meet other people's needs when we need to also. You know, I'm still, I'm thinking of the, the elements and do you, the, does each element have certain needs Per se, that they do. They do. Can we talk a little they about do. that? Yeah, sure. I mean, certainly, fire has a basic need to be um, to to be creative, to have their creative vision uh, manifest in the world. So they don't like to be stifled, and they want to be um, like appreciated. A lot of fire energy needs praise and encouragement for all of that enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. But the worst thing for fire is any kind of wet blanket or anybody that's going to demoralize their their motivation. You know that that's what fire needs. Okay. Fire needs like a, the fire needs cheerleading um, because they're really on the front lines. Fire is always on the front line of. Um, you know, trying to express their individuality in the world, and, and it's not always an easy thing to do. Right. Air, air needs um, freedom, for sure. They can't be caged in um, because they, they're, in a, they're in a never-ending quest for the truth and for knowledge. And um, so sometimes they might seem scattered or dismissive, but it's because they're moving at a very fast speed. And mm -hmm. many times also, like, heavy emotional concerns uh, limit their ability to stay in that, that free form of thought where, you know, they just would like to know what's the truthful piece of information that can be gained from anything. They don't necessarily need to go too deep. You know, um, sometimes they do. It depends upon the particular air energy, but mostly they're looking for truth and freedom. And um, water signs are looking for validation 
because they feel things really deeply, so they cannot be dismissed. You know, they cannot have those feelings dismissed or or ignored. Um, they're definitely looking for somebody to say, like, "Oh, you had a bad day. I get it." You know, uh, water is water is not is not necessarily a picture of Eeyore. That would be an inaccurate <laughs> picture. But they yeah. but even when they come home and they're happy, they they don't want somebody to minimize that. They want someone to be in a place where they can appreciate the emotional. And then there's a great deal of sensitivity also. So it's not just validation and someone being able to say, No, no, I get it, honey. You, you had a long hard day. And I validate the fact that you're emotionally exhausted. They also want someone to, you know, respect their intuition. They can't have anybody that like shoots down their the natural sensitive inclination to have a gut feeling. So they want to be respected for their gut feeling and they want to be validated for the feelings that they have. And earth um, needs stability. So the worst thing for them is somebody that doesn't show up on time, somebody that doesn't balance their checkbook. You know, earth, uh-huh. earthy, earthy people need someone that make agreements and stick by them. And um, while, of course, we learn to collaborate with each other, right? We learn to yeah. collaborate with each other. But it's almost like saying, okay, so if you had an air sign person who was an architect working with a construction guy who's the builder, the builder still needs to know that the airy architect who's expressing the ideas <laughs> is yeah. grounded and reliable. They still need to know that, that, that they have that, a level of reliability, and the, and the architect needs to know that the builder is flexible enough to make modifications as long as they're explained correctly and, you know, in detail. So as people get together, that's what it is that they're doing. They're finding that common ground between yeah. who they are and what they need from each other. So as I hear you talking about the different elements and, and their needs and, and just kind of their core makeup, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about how we tend to draw and attract certain people to us, often a same right. type of person. And again, in right. psychotherapeutic terms, I, I conceptualize that as the repetition compulsion. And, and often, you know, the wounds, the unmet needs of childhood cause us to draw in, you know, certain characteristics, certain types of people, and the positive things, you know, that, that we got from our childhoods. We tend to attract that as well, yes. typically in Thanks. the same person. Thankfully. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully, right? It's not all bad. <laughs> so do, do you see that too with elements? Like an element tending to attract another element in, in you know, astrological? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. You know, you're going to attract your earthy father because your father was so earthy, but you had such a hard time getting him to show affection to you, but then you automatically decide to pick a husband that's like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like that earthy and dependable because that was the good part, but you have difficulty getting that earthy person to express their feelings. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, repetition. Yeah. I would think repetition compulsion originates with parental conditioning. Mm-hmm. So you see this astrologically in looking at the elements. Well, it's also expressed in the houses and also in the signs because the sun in our chart has a tendency to be a picture of our father, and the moon in our chart has a tendency to be a picture of our mother, and the fourth house is about the father, and the tenth house is about the mother, and there are other layers in the chart um, that express the childhood wound, not just the elemental uh, partnering or what it is that we might go after, although that's a very strong indicator of those wounds, but you also see it in the actual natal chart. It's already there right from birth, which is what's really interesting. Um, To me, it says that we come into each life with a certain amount of karmic baggage that we're going to recreate so that we can work through it. You know, it's going to get recreated in our childhood. So we have a couple more minutes, and and I want to ask you, what is it that you want to leave, Dr. Craig? I like asking my guests kind of what's important for you to leave or, or, you know, imprint on the world. Um, if you can answer that in any direction you'd like to take it. Yeah, that's great. Because I really, I really do believe that our um, success in any kind of professional or personal way, our happiness 
is based on our own self-knowledge. And, you know, we can gain a lot through the experiences that we have with others. You know, we can gain a lot just by living our lives. We learn things about ourselves through other people giving us feedback and through the experiences that we have with people that we meet along the way. But there's another layer of self-knowledge that's proactive that can come through traditional therapy, it can come through intuitive counseling, it can come through astrology in a way where we embrace self-knowledge, introspection, If there's one thing that I'm very certain of, it's that human evolution right now is the evolution of our spiritual reality. Evolution. The fact that we're all growing in some level. Uh, all species are growing and evolving. The evolution of the human condition right now is in the spiritual realm. And it begins with much more thing we are spiritual. That we're not like, oh, I have a soul, and we just say that. But that we have a soul, and that we know what that soul is, we recognize that that soul and is. And Dr. Craig, yeah. you're breaking up quite a bit. Oh, so, am I? Sorry. Yeah, there, that's better. Okay. Um, so if you, can, if you can let us know how people can reach you, that would be awesome. No problem. For sessions, for astrology school. Sure, yeah. My, my website is LA Healer. L.A. Healer, because I'm in Los Angeles. And for, um, for school or classes, it's losangelesastrologyschool.com. And so, I, can, yeah. I can tell our listeners how, how amazing, how wonderful your school is. I have been enrolled this summer in the introductory beginner class, and it's every week. And um, I just want to thank you for being my guest today and for teaching you know, me. You're a doll, and I'm so happy to talk to you, Lisa. Your show is fantastic, and um, you know, many blessings for, Thank you. for all the for all the good teaching that you're doing. I really enjoyed my it, time with you. Me too. It's L.A. Healer for those listeners who want a book with Dr. Craig Martin, and I will see you tonight in class. Excellent. Have a great afternoon. You too. Okay. Bye bye. That concludes my show today with Dr. Craig Martin of L.A. Healer and the Los Angeles Astrology School. Please join me next week at the same time as I interview Michelle Seiler Tucker, author of the book, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. Take care, everyone. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio.